Chapter Seven of Three Years by Anton Chekhov, translated by Constance Garnett, eighteen sixty one to nineteen forty six. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Expatriate in Bangor, Maine. Chapter Seven. On a Saturday in November, Anton Rubinstein was conducting in a symphony concert. It was very hot and crowded. Laptov stood behind the columns while his wife and Kostya Kostyevoy were sitting in the third or fourth row some distance in front. At the very beginning of an interval, a certain person, Polina Nikolaevna Razudin, quite unexpectedly passed by him. He had often since his marriage thought with trepidation of a possible meeting with her. When now she looked at him openly and directly, he realized that he had all this time shirked having things out with her or writing her two or three friendly lines, as though he had been hiding from her he felt ashamed and flushed crimson she pressed his hand tightly and impulsively and asked have you seen yartsev and without waiting for an answer she went striding on impetuously as though someone were pushing her on from behind she was very thin and plain with a long nose her face always looked tired and exhausted and it seemed as though it were an effort to her to keep her eyes open and not to fall down she had fine dark eyes and an intelligent kind sincere expression but her movements were awkward and abrupt it was hard to talk to her because she could not talk or listen quietly loving her was not easy sometimes when she was alone with laptov she would go on laughing for a long time hiding her face in her hands and would declare that love was not the chief thing in life for her and would be as whimsical as a girl of seventeen and before kissing her he would have to put out all the candles she was thirty she was married to a schoolmaster but had not lived with her husband for years she earned her living by giving music lessons and playing in quartet during the ninth symphony she passed again as though by accident but the crowd of men standing like a thick wall behind the columns prevented her going further and she remained beside him laptov saw that she was wearing the same little velvet blouse she had worn at concerts last year and the year before her gloves were new and her fan too was new but it was a common one she was fond of fine clothes but she did not know how to dress and grudged spending money on it she dressed so badly and untidily that when she was going to her lessons striding hurriedly down the street she might easily have been taken for a young monk the public applauded and shouted encore you'll spend the evening with me said polina nikolaevna going up to laptov and looking at him severely when this is over we'll go and have tea do you hear i insist on it you owe me a great deal and haven't the moral right to refuse me such a trifle very well let us go laptov assented endless calls followed the conclusion of the concert the audience got up from their seats and went out very slowly and laptov could not go away without telling his wife he had to stand at the door and wait i'm dying for some tea polina nikolaevna said plaintively my very soul is parched you can get something to drink here said laptov let's go to the buffet oh i've no money to fling away on waiters i'm not a shopkeeper he offered her his arm she refused in a long wearisome sentence which he had heard many times to the effect that she did not class herself with the feebler fair sex and did not depend on the services of gentlemen as she talked to him she kept looking about at the audience and greeting acquaintances they were her fellow students at the higher courses and at the conservatorium and her pupils 
she gripped their hands abruptly as though she were tugging at them but then she began twitching her shoulders and trembling as though she were in a fever and at last said softly looking at laptev with horror who is it you've married where were your eyes you mad fellow what did you see in that stupid insignificant girl why i loved you for your mind for your soul but that china doll wants nothing but your money let us drop that polina he said in a voice of supplication all that you can say to me about my marriage i've said to myself many times already don't cause me unnecessary pain yulia sergeyevna made her appearance wearing a black dress with a big diamond brooch which her father-in-law had sent her after the service she was followed by her suite kotchevoy two doctors of their acquaintance an officer and a stout young man in student's uniform called kish you go on with kostya laptev said to his wife i'm coming later yulia nodded and went on polina nikolaevna gazed after her quivering all over and twitching nervously and in her eyes there was a look of repulsion hatred and pain laptev was afraid to go home with her foreseeing an unpleasant discussion cutting words and tears and he suggested that they should go and have tea at a restaurant but she said no no i want to go home don't dare to talk to me of restaurants she did not like being in a restaurant because the atmosphere of restaurants seemed to her poisoned by tobacco smoke and the breath of men against all men she did not know she cherished a strange prejudice regarding them all as immoral rakes capable of attacking her at any moment besides the music played at restaurants jarred on her nerves and gave her a headache coming out of the hall of nobility they took a sledge in ostozhenka and drove to savilovsky lane where she lodged all the way laptev thought about her it was true that he owed her a great deal he had made her acquaintance at the flat of his friend yartsov to whom she was giving lessons in harmony her love for him was deep and perfectly disinterested and her relations with him did not alter her habits she went on giving her lessons and wearing herself out with work as before through her he came to understand and love music which he had scarcely cared for till then half my kingdom for a cup of tea she pronounced in a hollow voice covering her mouth with her muff that she might not catch cold i've given five lessons confound them my pupils are as stupid as posts i nearly died of exasperation i don't know how long this slavery can go on i'm worn out as soon as i can scrape together three hundred roubles i shall throw it all up and go to the crimea to lie on the beach and drink in ozone how i love the sea oh how i love the sea you'll never go said laptev to begin with you'll never save the money and besides you'd grudge spending it forgive me i repeat again surely it's quite as humiliating to collect the money by farthings from idle people who have music lessons to while away their time as to borrow it from your friends i haven't any friends she said irritably and please don't talk nonsense the working class to which i belong has one privilege the consciousness of being incorruptible the right to refuse to be indebted to wretched little shopkeepers and to treat them with scorn no indeed you don't buy me i'm not a yulichka laptev did not attempt to pay the driver knowing that it would call forth a perfect torrent of words such as he had often heard before she paid herself she had a little furnished room in the flat of a solitary lady who provided her meals her big becker piano was for the time at yartsov's in great nikitsky street and she went there every day to play on it 
in her room there were armchairs in loose covers a bed with a white summer quilt and flowers belonging to the landlady there were oleographs on the walls and there was nothing that would have suggested that there was a woman and a woman of university education living in it there was no toilet table there were no books there was not even a writing table it was evident that she went to bed as soon as she got home and went out as soon as she got up in the morning the cook brought in the samovar polina nikolaevna made tea and still shivering the room was cold began abusing the singers who had sung in the ninth symphony she was so tired she could hardly keep her eyes open she drank one glass of tea then a second and then a third and so you are married she said but don't be uneasy i'm not going to pine away i shall be able to tear you out of my heart only it's annoying and bitter to me that you are just as contemptible as everyone else that what you want in a woman is not brains or intellect but simply a body good looks and youth youth she pronounced through her nose as though mimicking someone and she laughed youth you must have purity reinheit reinheit she laughed throwing herself back in her chair reinheit when she left off laughing her eyes were wet with tears you're happy at any rate she asked no does she love you laptev agitated and feeling miserable stood up and began walking about the room no he repeated if you want to know polina i'm very unhappy there's no help for it i've done this stupid thing and there's no correcting it now i must look at it philosophically she married me without love stupidly perhaps with mercenary motives but without understanding and now she evidently sees her mistake and is miserable i see it at night we sleep together but by day she is afraid to be left alone with me for five minutes and tries to find distraction society with me she feels ashamed and frightened and yet she takes money from you oh that stupid polina cried laptev she takes money from me because it makes absolutely no difference to her whether she has it or not she is an honest pure girl she married me simply because she wanted to get away from her father that's all and are you sure she would have married you if you had not been rich asked polina i'm not sure of anything said laptev dejectedly not of anything i don't understand anything for god's sake polina don't let us talk about it do you love her desperately a silence followed she drank a fourth glass while he paced up and down thinking that by now his wife was probably having supper at the doctor's club but is it possible to love without knowing why asked polina shrugging her shoulders no it's the promptings of animal passion you are poisoned intoxicated by that beautiful body that reinheit go away from me you are unclean go to her she brandished her hand at him then took up his hat and hurled it at him he put on his fur coat without speaking and went out but she ran after him into the passage clutched his arm above the elbow and broke into sobs hush polina don't he said and could not unclasp her fingers calm yourself i entreat you she shut her eyes and turned pale and her long nose became an unpleasant waxy colour like a corpse's and laptev still could not unclasp her fingers she had fainted he lifted her up carefully laid her on her bed and sat by her for ten minutes till she came to herself her hands were cold her pulse was weak and uneven go home she said opening her eyes go away or i shall begin howling again i must take myself in hand 
when he came out instead of going to the doctor's club where his friends were expecting him he went home all the way home he was asking himself reproachfully why he had not settled down to married life with that woman who loved him so much and was in reality his wife and friend she was the one human being who was devoted to him and besides would it not have been a grateful and worthy task to give happiness peace and a home to that proud clever overworked creature was it for him he asked himself to lay claim to youth and beauty to that happiness which could not be and which as though in punishment or mockery had kept him for the last three months in a state of gloom and oppression the honeymoon was long over and he still absurd to say did not know what sort of person his wife was to her school friends and her father she wrote long letters of five sheets and was never at a loss for something to say to them but to him she never spoke except about the weather or to tell him that dinner was ready or that it was supper-time when at night she said her lengthy prayers and then kissed her crosses and icons he thought watching her with hatred here she's praying what's she praying about what about in his thoughts he showered insults on himself and her telling himself that when he got into bed and took her into his arms he was taking what he had paid for but it was horrible if only it had been a healthy reckless sinful woman but here he had youth piety meekness the pure eyes of innocence while they were engaged her piety had touched him now the conventional definiteness of her views and convictions seemed to him a barrier behind which the real truth could not be seen already everything in his married life was agonizing when his wife sitting beside him in the theatre sighed or laughed spontaneously it was bitter to him that she enjoyed herself alone and would not share her delight with him and it was remarkable that she was friendly with all his friends and they all knew what she was like already while he knew nothing about her and only moped and was dumbly jealous when he got home laptev put on his dressing-gown and slippers and sat down in his study to read a novel his wife was not at home but within half an hour there was a ring at the hall door and he heard the muffled footsteps of pyotr running to open it it was yulia she walked into the study in her fur coat her cheeks rosy with the frost there's a great fire in Priesnia, she said breathlessly there's a tremendous glow i'm going to see it with konstantin ivanovitch well do dear the sight of her health her freshness and the childish horror in her eyes reassured laptev he read for another half hour and went to bed next day polina nikolaevna sent to the warehouse two books she had borrowed from him all his letters and his photographs with them was a note consisting of one word basta end of chapter seven recording by expatriate in bangor maine